All right. Well, today I'm happy to bring you the second part of my interview with Melissa Griggs. And we left off at a very pivotal point in her story. So we're going to pick right back up where we left off. But before we get started, I wanted to invite you to join my free Facebook group page, Combating Your Autoimmunity God's Way. And that's just a great place where we can share encouragement, support, prayer, and just really lift each other up and get some good health information. I go live every week on there and share a video talking about some relevant things that that are important to the members of the group. So I would love to have you over there. Come on by and join us. And I will have that link in the show notes. And also, I just finished my free Foggy and Fatigued Blueprint. I'm so excited to bring that to you because I know that I'm not the only one that was feeling constantly tired and exhausted, reaching for that caffeine fix midday, or worse, caffeine and chocolate, that caffeine and sugar for that pick-me-up in the afternoon. I know that I'm not the only one that struggled with the ongoing and endless brain fog and I got to a point where I was really struggling to focus on things that I enjoy. So I created this blueprint that will give you three days of action steps that you can begin to implement right away and that you can just be encouraged to finally put yourself as a priority if that's something that you have not been doing, if it's something that you struggle with. Like most of us, we struggle to really put ourselves as a priority and you'll get support along the way. So go ahead and download that free foggy and fatigued blueprint and I will have the link in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's show and we pick right up in the story that Melissa left off in yesterday. We're going to pick right back up. So here we go. And at the moment that I put it to my head from across the hall in the nursery, my son who was not little over a year old started screaming I mean like this scream of it wasn't a I'm hungry or I need to be changed it was a mama get in here now and so I ran from the bathroom into the nursery and in that moment I grabbed my son and I just sat down on the floor and I held him and I cried because I realized that he was the reason that I had to be here And I look back now and I know there's nobody that can convince me any different, but I believe that God sent an angel that woke my child because he knew that I needed him at that moment. At that very moment, I needed him to scream and he saved my life that night because had it not been for me going into the nursery and grabbing my son out of his crib, I would not be sitting here to have this broadcast with you right now Mm -hmm. because I was at that. I was at such a dark place that I truly believed that my life wasn't worth living. So I moved forward and a few years later, I mean, the abuse, I'm still in the abuse. I'm still in the, I mean, and it's honestly, you know, the worst form of abuse is the mental and emotional. You can beat me, break bones, concussions. I've been through all of that. Those things heal. It takes a long journey to have your heart and your mind healed from abuse. And that's the worst form of it. 
So a few years later, though, this abuse continues and it starts happening in front of my son. Now, when I had nothing else to live for, from that moment that I grabbed him out of that crib, I was I lived for him. I was I was determined that he was going to have a good life and I was going to do whatever I had to to make sure that my son had the best life. And so when this abuse started happening in front of him, I was able to get the strength that I needed to leave that relationship. And at that time now, my husband, because we had gotten married. Mm. And so I had the strength to leave. And I thought in that moment that my problems and everything was going to start getting better because I was away from this man. But you know, the enemy was right there with just a whole nother slew of problems that he was going to bring at me. Because once I left him, now I'm lonely. No one's ever going to want me. I don't have anything to offer. You know, all of these things. And so the alcohol drinking continued. And over the years, it got worse and worse and worse. And to the point, years later, I was unable to hold a job. I was unable to pay my bills because I could not hold a job because of the alcoholism had gotten so severe, but I was being tortured. I was being tortured in my mind. I was being tortured by the enemy because I truly believe, you know, God says in his word, he says, I formed you and I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And I believe there's something that takes place. I think the enemy sees the giftings and, and the things that God puts into a person. Now, of course, we have to walk the journey in order to um, walk fully in those giftings and the things the Lord has put inside of us. But I believe that when the enemy sees something that scares him from a person, he really attacks that person. Like the enemy was after to destroy my life. He knew if she ever gets a hold of what God has put in her, she's dangerous. Right. And so he wanted to wipe me off of the face of the earth. And he and starts it with the mind. He always starts with the mind. 100%. Because if he can control your mind, if he can control your thoughts, he can control every area of your life. Exactly right. And that's his biggest deception. And he's been doing this for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So he's gotten pretty good at it. Right. So I'll go to the night that my rescuer came. This is my favorite night. This is so good, guys. This is so good. You're just going to be blown away. Grab a tissue. It's my favorite night. It, was, it's, it will always be one of my favorite experiences that I have shared with Jesus. Because I was, again, at a, I mean, just so dark in such a deep pit that I had dug myself. You know, I mean, yes, I had been abused, but... I was still responsible. Like I don't blame him for every problem in my life because I had made a lot of decisions that was destroying myself. I never knew my value. Once I left my ex-husband, I was in one relationship after another, after another, after another, because I was searching. I was searching for a love to fulfill me. And now I know that the reason that I could never find it was because my one true love was not able to enter my life until I allowed him. And that's Jesus Christ. Mm. And until we know the love of Jesus, we don't even know what we're searching for because he is the tangible presence of love. The Bible says he is love. It's not a feeling or an emotion. 
It's Jesus. Jesus is love. Love is Jesus. So until we filter love through the one that created us to be loved, we don't know what we're looking for. That's why so many women get hurt, men too, but that's why so many people allow themselves to be hurt in relationships. They don't know how to look for something that they don't know what it is. Mm. We think we know what love is. We think that love is those butterflies in the pit of our stomach, but it's not. So the night that I met my true love, my knight in shining armor, I had gotten, my, my world was so dark. I had actually had an accident, a car accident one night driving, trying to find the man that I was dating at the time because he was off with someone else and didn't realize. I didn't know. I The next day walked out of my house and the whole back end of my car was smashed in because I had driven drunk so drunk that I don't even remember driving that night. And so in that moment, I realized that when that happened, because even though I hated myself, I would never want to hurt anyone else. Like I I would never want my decision because I could have killed someone that night. You know, someone innocent driving home from work or, you know, I mean, I could have hurt someone else that night. And I realized how bad my drinking had gotten that my whole world is crashing down. And so in that moment, I didn't get on my knees. I didn't have like this huge prayer or moment with Jesus. I simply said, because see, I didn't even believe that God heard me. Why would he want to listen to me? All I said was, I don't know how to fix this, God. I need help. Over the next few weeks, when we asked God to do something, that's all he needed was my green light to help me. That's all he was like, finally, finally. And so every night my routine would be to put my son down, put him in bed, get him settled. And then I would grab my cigarettes and I would grab my wine and I would go sit on my back deck and I would drink and I would smoke until I passed out. Because of the torment that I was under, I was never able to sleep unless I passed out from having so much alcohol in my system. And it's sad, but that, that had become my life. Try to push through the day to get to the point that I can start drinking. And so over the next few weeks, something started happening that had never happened before. I would go into my normal routine, put my son down, go get my wine. But I started feeling this conviction when I would start drinking. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. Like, I have to stop. I would start having these thoughts in my mind. I had not had those thoughts before. It just became a natural lifestyle to me. And so I would be sitting out there. And then this one night, it was probably about three weeks from the point that I had said, God, if you hear me, I need help. So I grabbed my wine, my cigarettes, and I go sit outside on my back deck. And out the back of my house, I lived it down a long country road. And there was nothing. There was no streetlights. It was dark. Like it was, it was country dark out there. You know, (laughs) there was nothing but woods behind my house. And I sat down where I had been sitting for years and I felt Michelle was like, someone's watching me. I could feel someone. I had convinced myself that there was someone in the woods right behind my house and they were watching me. And I felt this fear, like this isn't something good, like someone's trying to hurt me. Mm. And so I go inside of my house and I lock the door 
And then I go in and I sit down. I never, um, I sat outside because I never smoked around my son. Mm. I always, like I said, I always did my best to put him first. So I went in and I sat in my living room and that same fear that crippled me outside was now inside of my home. And I was convinced that there was someone inside of my house, my little two bedroom house. And so I even frantically found myself walking through the house, like checking in the closets and under the bed. Cause I was, I had, it was a fear that I had never felt before. It was a fear that I knew, I knew it was really, really dark. I walked into my kitchen and there it stood. The thing that was bringing me so much fear in that moment that was there to take my life, I had seen. It was standing in my kitchen and it was a, it was a demon. And I saw it as real as a person standing there. And I know that this kind of talk can be perceived as crazy sometimes. Mm. But this is my story and it really happened. And it was real. And I had not even drank a glass of wine <laughs> I had, I was not drunk. I was seeing this thing. And what scared me the most was that I recognized it. This was the thing that had tortured me in the night. This thing is the reason that I wasn't able to sleep. In fact, I had even told some of my friends about nightmares that I would have involving what this thing looks like, thinking that I was having nightmares. But in that moment that I saw it, realized that it was real. So in that moment that I was gripped by this fear, I knew that it was there to take my life. It had gone from something that I thought was in my mind to now I'm actually seeing it standing there. And my drinking had gotten to a point that I really believed that it was there to take my life that night. So I did the only thing that I knew to do. As soon as I saw it, all this happened so fast, but I fell to my knees and I started screaming, God, don't let it take me, Lord. Please, God, I'm asking you to save me, God. Please don't let it take me because I felt the fear of hell is what I felt. And I said, Jesus, I'll do anything. I will do anything for you if you will save my life. And in that moment, I started bargaining with God because, see, you have to remember, I still didn't think that my life was worth saving. So I started bargaining with him and I said, God, my son needs me. You can't take me because my son needs me. But in that moment, on my knees when I'm screaming and I, I wish I could do it, you know, reenact it. But I was screaming to the top of my lungs. God save me. And here it comes from behind me. I felt this rush of a mighty wind. I felt it coming behind me so much to the point. This was so real, Michelle. It was so real that my hair blew. I would not lift my head because of what I had just seen standing there. I was terrified. So I was face down on my kitchen floor and, and my savior as soon as I screamed his name, as soon as I said, God, save me. He said, that's all I've been waiting on, my child. I have been watching you. I've been here. I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. I just was waiting on you to choose me. I just needed you to choose me. And now that you have my child, of course, I'll save you. And he came in and the spiritual battle for my life right there was won. 
And it was won by Jesus Amen. because I was created by him for a purpose. Right. And he came and rescued me. The scripture in the Bible that says, I will make you a new creation in God. I stood up. Now I stayed the night. I slept on the floor that night. I fell asleep down there. But when I woke up the next morning, the sun was out. I, I woke up and I looked out my kitchen window because it literally felt like I had been down there for 10 seconds. But I had been down there all night and the sun was up. The sun was coming up. And I stood up and I felt different. The old Melissa died. The one whose life was being ruined by alcoholism and depression and suicidal thoughts and all of this darkness, that person died in that moment. He made me a new creation. And when God makes you a new creation, you don't suffer from addictions. I have not had a drink of alcohol since that night. I have not smoked a cigarette since then because he made me new. And when he made me new, he made me without those addictions. And I know this isn't everyone's story and I have nothing against uh, rehab centers and, you know, the 12 step program and AA, I have nothing against and I think they're wonderful for certain people. It just wasn't my story. I did not have one withdrawal. There were no headaches. There were no shakes. There was no, there was nothing. He took everything because when he died on the cross, that's what he did. Mm. I don't have to suffer because he already did. His love covers that. His grace conquered all of that. And I knew I had been made new. I didn't struggle anymore. The only addiction I had at that point was Jesus. I've never been taught about this side of you. This is something that nobody can teach you. Nobody can. Yeah, you can hear testimonies just like people listening to me right now can hear my testimony. But it takes you wanting to go after it. Right. To feel the love of Jesus Christ. Again, all the head knowledge can never, ever do what heart knowledge can do. And so I said, Jesus, I don't, I don't know this part of you. I've never been taught this. I don't know why you wanted to save me. I don't know why you chose to come in, but I want to know you. And so I got in the word and I started going after knowing who Jesus was with everything in me. I, I met my husband. Now we've been married for 10 years. We had, you know, and, it, it, and at that moment, I also want to make sure that I say, because I feel like this is important as well. When I stood up and when I started this journey, it wasn't sunshine and roses all along the way. It was a journey and it has been a battle. The enemy still tried to stop me. He still tried to overtake my mind. He still tried to come at with me like Jesus didn't really save you. That didn't really happen. You're making up all that stuff. He never wanted me to be able to use it. He never wanted me free from my choice of abortion because honestly, that was the hardest thing for me to journey with God through because I still felt like I was one of the worst people that walked the face of the earth because even though I was made new and I was no longer an addict, I still knew what I had done and I still, 
even though Jesus gave me no condemnation, I did it to myself. And so that began a journey that I had to start walking through the years of abuse that I had been under. I had to start walking through the pain that I felt when the relationship with my earthly father was cut. I had to start walking through the pain of choosing to have those abortions. I had to start walking through all of this stuff. And at times, there was times that I wanted just to throw the towel in and be like, God, I can't do this. It's too hard. And then he changed my life with something he said to me one night. I would go before him and I would repent of my sins because I felt like I had to repent before he would hear me. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I was like, God, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for having those abortions. God, I'm so sorry. And he said, my child, don't you see? Don't you see that I loved you just as much the day that you were in that abortion clinic as I will the day that you will stand before me at the throne. He said, my love is unchangeable. That's where the name of my ministry came from. Unchangeable love was from that very moment that God spoke that to me. He said, you can stop repenting because I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Mm. Because he forgave me. I had to forgive myself. It wasn't God's condemnation I was coming under. It was my own. And so in that moment, I I chose to forgive myself and I was freed from that. And that started in my journey in the Bible and really in Ephesians to know the identity that Christ had given me. Mm -hmm. Because that's like you said, it's the mind that the enemy comes over. Right. Because he can control your mind. He can keep you from stepping in the true reality of the identity that Jesus gave you. That's right. And it says in Ephesians that we were, we were given the same power and authority that God gave Jesus when he rose from the dead. Right. That's powerful. How many of us really believe that though? Exactly. Again, the mind. Yep. And that's why we are told to have a daily renewing of our mind every single day. Um, And And to put on the full armor of God every single day because he is out there. The enemy is out there trying to attack us. And through our mind, it's like we said said earlier, you know, once he can get a hold of our mind, he can control every single area of our lives. And that's it's it's that you just said that because in Ephesians, it the very first part of Ephesians is talking about our identity in Christ. It gives us a lot about who God made us to be. And then in chapter six of Ephesians, it gives us the armor of God. Right. And so that wasn't just accidental or happenstance. Right. That was intentional by God that, okay, I'm going to give you your identity, but you've got to protect it. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to tell you what you walk in, but you have got to put this armor on so that you can keep this and know what you have been called to, because like you just said, very few people actually walk in the identity that Jesus died for us to have. Right. And that's really tragic. It's not something that you just wake up one day and you have. It, it really does take intentional action of getting in God's word every single day, sometimes moment by moment, just calling out to him and seeking him. You know, it, it's definitely that intentional action. We have to work towards that you know we can't just memorize one scripture and feel like we've got you know all that we need to know the bible is so full of everything that we need to know god has not left anything 
out of it. So we can't just memorize one scripture and think we're good. No, we have to, we have to arm ourselves and we and that is part of arming ourselves is to memorize God's word. You know, back in the day the Israelites were foretold that too, you know, to to memorize it and keep that keep God's word in our heart and and teach it to our children and to our children's children and and yeah, it's definitely something that we need to be actively doing, actively seeking. Which is why the word of God is our we we were given one weapon in the armor, we were given one weapon and that was a sword. And it is the word of God. Through the word of God, we defeat Satan. That's our weapon. You know, and and I've been in ministry for eight years now. And like I shared in the beginning, I've traveled all, God has blessed me to travel the world, but I still have to remind myself and get in the word and study the scriptures where it tells me who I am. There's an, I don't believe that there's a day that we just, we just arrive. I believe that I don't care how long you've been in ministry. I don't care what your platform is. I don't care how long you've been saved or how long you've been pursuing Jesus. That's something that you can never stop doing is studying and knowing your identity in Christ. I agree. You're absolutely right because we are human and we will forget and we will shame ourselves and we will belittle ourselves. And I mean, we talk to ourselves the way we would never talk to somebody else. Absolutely. You know, we, we are our worst critics. So we need to really dive into what God says we are, who God says we are and whose we are, that we are his children. So just by that, we are heirs. We are co-heirs with Jesus. And so we are righteous through the blood of, of the cross. We just have to keep filling our mind with that the renewing of our mind. And that's why I love this book so much because your book is called A Heart After His, 30 Keys to Deeper Intimacy in the Secret Place. And that just kind of embodies what your whole um, message is too about getting into that time with God, that intentional focused time with the Lord so that you do know who you are in Christ. So you do understand the magnitude of his love for you and, and for me. And so it's just really important for everybody to really get that quiet time with the Lord. And I love how you break it down too. You've got essentially 30 days that you can take it day by day for 30 days. I actually took a lot longer. <laughs> it took me, um, I think about two and a half, almost three, about three months, I'll say, um, just to really go through it. I read the chapters a few times, a few chapters really spoke to me and I just really wanted to just kind of sit on that for a while and just really ask the Lord to speak to me through that. And I love how you start right out and you're just, well, first off, you start out with Psalm 91 and that is like one of my all time favorite chapters because it's talking about the hedge of protection that God gives us, how he will cover us with his wings. And it's just such a powerful, powerful chapter. And so I love that. But then, you know, you really challenge us to find that spot in our home that we can go to that is oh, free of distractions, free of any any kids, any electronics, any anything that will 
threaten to um, distract us. Because again, the enemy uses our mind. And if we just have, if we hear that ping on our phone, yes. boop, we're done. <laughs> and so it's, I love how you literally call that out too. Like no place for a cell phone, period. And I was like, yes, I feel the same way. Although a lot of my apps, my Bible apps are on my phone. <laughs> yes. So, but I just love that. So a lot of, times it's hard to find that little quiet place, that little corner in your home. So um, it doesn't have to be a, a beautiful, spacious room. It can be literally a closet, right? A prayer closet. I am fortunate now where I have, you know, the kids are out of the house and so I have more space. And so I can, I was able to make a quiet space for myself. And it's really not even to the degree that I want. Like I have this vision of what I want my prayer closet to be and it's not there yet, but it's okay because it's, it's less about the stuff and it's more right. about the intention of you going into that room, closing yes. the door and being a hundred percent, you know, ready for the Lord to speak. Yeah. It lets him know. It tells him how serious you are, you know, because yeah. it's like, I'm going to prepare a place just for me and you. Right. And it lets him know, okay, I'm here to be with you. And he shows yeah. up every time. It's really powerful too. And, and I wanted to just read a little bit here and um, let's see you, this would be in key number eight and you are talking about how there's no plan B here. What I love this one paragraph, it says the secret place is where we come to cry out to God, a place where we seek his wisdom and revelation, a place we wait upon him to reveal his power and direction for our life a place we surrender to such a degree that if we don't get an immediate answer from him, we're okay with that. And we keep waiting without trying to fix it ourselves. And I just love that. And then you go on to say that anytime you try to fix your own problem, you've made a bigger mess and boy, isn't that the truth, right? And, but it's just so, it's so true because often we give up, you know, we, okay, God, like I didn't hear from you. So I guess you really didn't hear my prayer. You know, you didn't really hear, you're not really listening. I'm just going to go on about my day. And that's, that's again of the enemy. That's a feeling, a spirit of defeat. And that is not at all what we should be feeling. And if you feel that, it should be an automatic red flag that it's from the enemy, that it's Absolutely. not from God. So I just, I just wanted to share that. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? You know, it's number nine was honestly to one of my, um, the keys that I had picked out just to, to focus on just for a second. And it goes hand in hand with this one, the no plan B, but it's the waiting on the Lord. Yeah. And it's realizing that just because we have something in our mind that we have a certain time that something's going to take place or something's going to be answered. You know, when you're still and you wait upon him, I never knew Michelle, like I spent so many years praying and submitting my request before the Lord, but then would get up and leave. And it doesn't even make sense. Like, why would we do that as Christians? If you and I are going to have a conversation about something and I'll come to you and, you know, we need to, we need to discuss something. And I talk and talk and talk to you, but then I get up and you're like, <laughs> I mean, you have a, you have a side as well and a conversation prayer is a conversation. Right. A conversation is never one-sided. 
And so waiting on the Lord, okay, God, here is what I want to say to you. And then let me sit, let me be quiet and let me hear from you because he's going to talk back. He always does. And, you know, and I, I want to point out that it's not a voice that I hear like when you're speaking to me, but it's a voice I feel in my heart. Like I, I hear the words through my heart. I know what the Lord is saying to me. You can hear them in your mind. It's just a knowing of what God is saying to receive revelation from what it is that he wants to say to you. And how much more important is it for us to hear from God than from him to hear from us? He already knows what we need. He already knows our prayer request. Yes, he does tell us. He wants us to tell him. He wants right. us to submit our request before him. But it's so much more important to hear what he has to say because I right. don't have important to say I've obviously I tell people like with given the power over my own life I am a depressed alcoholic suicidal woman but when I give it to God I am a princess co-heir to the throne powerful walk in so much authority so it's way more important for me to give it to him and let him do what he wants to with it than for me to try to take it into my hands because I've proven, like I just said in, the, in that part you read, I'll make a mess with it. But when I say, God, here, I don't want it if it's not handled by you. If it doesn't come through you, I don't want it. All right, we're going to stop right there because tomorrow she's going to go in more in depth about what it really means to get quiet, get still, really listen to the Lord, and how to really seek his voice and how it may not be in a way that we anticipate or think or really even want him to speak to us. So it's really about letting go of our expectations and just leaning into God and to the, really the sweet whisper that he has for us. So don't miss tomorrow's episode. It will finish off her story and I really think you'll enjoy it. I hope that you have been enjoying what you're hearing so far. I hope that you're getting encouragement and just feeling the Holy Spirit working in your heart. And with that, I just want to pray over us. Father God, I just thank you for this time just to really be ministered to as your daughters. Lord, I just pray that you will speak your truth to us. I pray that you will give us your Holy Spirit wisdom, your Holy Spirit direction. If we are turning away, doing something that we should not be doing, if we have traveled far from you, Lord, bring us back, bring us back to you and to your great, amazing, unconditional love, Lord, that you have for each one of us. Lord, we thank you for your hope that you give us every day. Your word says that your mercies are new every single day. And so we thank you for that and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.